Welcome back to the show. I am Dr. Alex Earl, and uh, today I have uh, uh, Dr. Ryan Gavin joining me. And on today's episode, we are going to be going over a very pertinent uh, bit of information in regards to, um, excuse me, the 10 things uh, that we should know about low back pain, or specifically the 10 things that we think you should do. five do's and five don'ts of low back pain. And this is a PDF that was put together um, by two really well-known and well-respected professionals, uh, Dr. Derek Griffin and Professor Peter O'Sullivan. And so we just wanted to share this information on managing long-lasting low back problems. Um, So uh, like I said, Dr. Ryan Gavin is joining us. Ryan, why don't you start us off with uh, the do's and I'll finish this up with the don'ts. Sure. So number one, uh, starting with the do's, number one, uh, know that your pain is real. I think that is, uh, it's difficult for patients sometimes when we are trying to, uh, especially when it comes to something like nonspecific low back pain. Um, I think that can be misunderstood as it like all being in your head. But for patients, that's one of the most important things is to know that it is real um, and that we're there to help with that. I think that's a good point. Cause we want them to know that, that they're not faking it. You know, that this is something that it's very real to them. There's no doubt about it. And so if you, if you come across condescendingly, you're, you're in essence going to lose a patient. And if you lose a patient, then you can't impact them and you can't influence them. So you, you don't want to, you don't want to lose the, the patient. Uh, and, and be a negative impact on their journey. Cause you don't really know what people are going through. And also you don't know what other factors might be involved. And so that's also a really important component. Um, their pain is very real and it's very real to them, which makes it really an important factor for us. Absolutely. Number two, stay active. Um, I think this is, this is a tough one to dispel. Cause I think the bed rest or like stopping all activity that you might feel pain with. Um, It's advice that's been given for just so long that I think most people are surprised when they hear one of the best things you could do is actually stay active and move as much as you can, things like that. I've even gotten this from like a close friend of mine who, who coaches soccer and he just assumes just, you know, stay off of it. You know, it could be, could be a, bad bone bruise. It could be, um, it could be something more serious. And his, his default was always, yeah. So just stay off it, just rest for a little bit. And I'm like, well, yeah, in some cases that wouldn't be the end of the world, but that that's just his go-to for everything. And, and like you said, the, the literature supports a more active component to, uh, chronic low back troubles. And, uh, so I love that this is in there because we certainly should stay active. It's good for not just our physical, um, you know, recovery from uh, a, a discomfort uh, or a troublesome back. Also, there's psychological components. There's you know, getting up and going for a walk mentally could be very, very uh, uh, beneficial. Um, so yeah, ab- absolutely staying active and not um, overdoing any bed rest. Uh, that, that, can't go, um, that can't go without saying that's certainly an important factor. I think that's one of the part of the art of treating right for what we do is figuring out ways to still keep people doing what they want to do um staying active in some way maybe you need to cut out one or two types of 
activity, but you're, there's still plenty you can do and, and ways to modify stuff even. Um, and I think that leads into number three pretty well. And that is sit and move in a variety of ways. Um, we know there's not one best posture, right? So keeping up the variety of positions that you're stuck in for long periods of time and the movements in general that you're doing, I think is, um, that should be a go-to advice for any patient. I think it's also important that, that they're, they're already, they're already in a doom loop, right? Like this back is hurting, this low back is hurting them. So they don't want to move it. So then when they go to move it, it hurts. And so then therefore the loop just continues in on itself. So I think um, like before we hit record and, and hopped on this uh, episode, you, you were talking about how, you know, a, a patient was told not to deadlift anymore. And, and so it's like, okay, you can't deadlift in this phase of life, but what can you do? I think there's a, there's certainly value and merit in finding these different variety of ways that people can move movement, you know, shouldn't be rigid and it should, there should be some, some flow to it. There should be some new movements that you maybe have never done, but I don't think that there's, there's one box and we all have to fit in it and certainly posture. Um, that's a, that's probably an episode on its own at a later date, but I think mm-hmm. that you're right that there's, um, there, there's there it's, I think it's common and it's normal to want to protect the spine. Um, not a lot of people understand the spine, uh, but it was built and it was created to move. And so if we find that it hurts moving in one way, that doesn't mean we can't move it in other ways. Yeah, that same point uh, leads into number four, that is focusing on meaningful life activities. Um, Whether that can be something that it's a meaningful life activity that your pain is actually keeping you from, or a meaningful life activity that can be something that kind of is involved in your uh, rehab or kind of progress. I think that's a huge point and uh, should be involved in the, the plan yeah, I think that's what's one reason why um, a lot of smart people, a lot smarter than than me, you know, ask patients, um, you know, what if, if you just if you didn't have this pain, what would you do? And then you're, you're focusing, in essence, on the thing that they're missing out or the thing that they value that they can't do because of this low back pain. And so that's a loaded question, and it really it opens up the possibility. And then in our office, you know, as you know, Ryan, that, that our patients when they answer, however they answer that question that becomes a key data point in their treatment plan, right? If, if uh, mm-hmm. um, a patient can't bend over and pick up their child because their back has been bothering them for two or three years, okay, then being able to pick up your child and embracing your child is a meaningful activity. Like we will get you there. You know, we will do everything in our power to get you there. So it's absolutely important to prioritize some movements and, and also these meaningful activities over the pain that you're currently experiencing. Mm-hmm. Number five is maintain your social relationships. Um, I think a lot of times pain can can kind of make people feel isolated, especially if they're not if it's keeping them from an activity or doing something that they love. And that's one of those things that I kind of know is super important when it comes to recovery. Um, is one of those real baseline factors that kind of get overlooked sometimes. Yeah, you're right. I think it's really easy to fall into that, that isolation um, state. And just like when, when I, I was injured in college or, or when I've seen, 
uh, athletes get injured, one of the best ways to stay mentally engaged is to still go to practice, to still pick up the cones, to, to help with water, to just contribute in an area that you, you otherwise wouldn't be because you'd be out there playing. And, and I think it's also, you know, for CrossFitters that maybe have back pain or spine pain, still go to the gym, you know, don't avoid that social camaraderie that, that the wonderful thing about CrossFit is it's a really tight knit community. And, um, and that also, this also goes for, um, other social gatherings, like, you know, family gatherings. If, if you've got, um, if you got some low back troubles, you, I think you should still make every effort to get up, get out of the house. And even it's, if it's for a short period of time, you're still going to be, um, blessed by being around your family, um, which maybe that's a good thing for some, maybe it's not, but I think that it's, it's, you're, you're taking an active approach to an otherwise really difficult situation. And I think that's commendable. Definitely. Uh, on to the don'ts. You betcha. All right. So in regards to the don'ts, it's really important that you don't blame yourself or fight your pain. And, um, and this is a mantra, maybe from, maybe from our parents' age or just different generations to just think that pain is a sign of weakness. Uh, and, you know, the, the old weightlifting t-shirts of, you know, pain is just weakness leaving the body. And, and while that, that might be um, just a method of getting through some type of workout, someone that's dealing with chronic or persistent like low back pain, that's actually not like an, a very appropriate mantra or, or an appropriate mindset to have uh, because pain we know can affect all shapes, all sizes. It can affect all ages and it is completely individualized. No one person will go through the same low back uh, experience. So it's really important to um, take the small steps, right? Like the way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time and to just know that you're, um, that you, you don't have to fight this. Um, you don't have to blame yourself and you don't have to fight it on your own. Mm -hmm. If it's weightlifting, say something that you should be doing is good for your health, is good for your mental well being that you injure yourself doing, blaming yourself is a good way to put a block up and not return to that activity, um, which long term is usually not the way to go, not something we want, right? Yeah, it's really funny because I actually had a spine injury treating a patient. And every time I want to get back into that same position, I think like, you idiot, don't do that. Don't get, don't do that again. Don't do it. And so I've just avoided that position for a long period of time. And then, you know, rereading through all this, it, it's very relevant that I, I for sure was blaming myself. So even patients that are going through spine troubles, like you're, you are not alone. We, we also, you know, we're not perfect. Uh, you know, contrary to what my wife says, I don't know what your wife says about you, Ryan, but we are not perfect. And I think it's important to, to not lose, uh, lose sight of that. So, all right, nice. Number two on the don't category, don't assume long lasting pain always means damage. This one, this one, I could, we, we could probably do a three-part series on tissue damage, you know, pain equals tissue damage. Um, I know I've got a lot to say on it. Ryan, what are your thoughts about always wanting uh, the, to blame the tissue damage? This is another old kind of old wives tale uh, about pain that is super difficult to dispel. Um, there are very few patients, I think, when we have this conversation that are actually aware that like the amount of pain you're in or the fact that you are feeling pain with a certain movement or activity doesn't mean that you are damaging the area further or making your issue worse. And I think that's goes back to 
kind of some of the news, why we want to keep people staying active, why we want to keep trying different movements and positions is so that we can kind of show them like, hey, you can do these things and it doesn't mean that you're just because you are experiencing some pain with it doesn't mean that you are making anything worse. Yeah, I like the analogy of the um, like the, the alarm, you know, pain, pain is analogous to an alarm because uh, and I, I said this to a patient not that long ago that if a, a um, if a fire goes off in the house or at least if the fire alarm, I should be I should be very clear in what I'm saying here. If the fire alarm goes off in the house, do you know where the fire is? And do you know how severe it is? No. All you know is the fire alarm went off, get to safety, get out of that, get your, get your loved ones and get out. And, and then I ask, I ask patients all the time, what if I told you pain was the same phenomenon where just because an area hurts, we don't know the intensity and we don't, sometimes we don't even know the proper location. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really important to understand that, that soreness is very different than pain. Uh, Pressure is very different than pain and even compression you know, those four categories are very different, but oftentimes patients present with a soreness complaint, but they use the word pain. And I'm a stickler for words. I think it's really important that we use our words carefully. And it, because it's important that we don't, um, we don't increase the fear or the, the anxiety in associated with pain uh, in regards to assuming that it is only coming from the tissues. So Nice. Good stuff. Really good stuff. So number three, we're moving on to number three on the don'ts category. Don't rush or panic. If you have a flare up, um, I can share a personal story here. When I injured my patient, as I meant, uh, injured my patient, when I injured my back with uh, treatment uh, of, of a patient, I was probably the worst patient when I knew the injury took place and I rushed, I panicked. Um, I mean, goodness, I was in an MRI unit, maybe six hours after I, I mean, not six hours, maybe 10 hours after I hurt myself. No, I, I knew exactly what I thought I would see on the MRI. And I thought I would see a 10 to 12 millimeter disc herniation. And cause it was so bad. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it, I was in a lot of discomfort and it was a three I had a three millimeter disc herniation. Who's to say it wasn't already there. I don't know, but I rushed uh, to getting an image and now I have the image like permanently ingrained in my mind. And I, it was cause I, I rushed to it. So uh, I know that's an all too uh, popular or all too common thing to just rush and get this figured out as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, people's journeys with pain is often full of ups and downs. And uh, so let's not rush to uh, rush to um, judge our current situation or panic if you have a flare up. Mm-hmm. And I think this one is, uh goes hand in hand with that point before of not thinking that injury uh, or pain getting worse means that more damage is occurring. Um, I feel like that happens all the time where you're a few visits into a treatment plan, the patient comes back and they're like, oh, it was getting better, but you know, it kind of came back or I did this and I made it worse. So that probably means like, you know, what, what, what's not, what next do we need some imaging or do I need to go get an injection, you know, where, you got to have that conversation and be like, no, that's pretty typical with um, the recovery path. Um, you're going to have good days. You're going to have some bad days. It's not a straight line, that progress you make. There's going to be some, some ups and downs in it. Yeah, that, that's, that's another component too, because the, the, with most, if not all, uh, chronic and persistent low back situations and low back uh, cases, it, it's multifactorial, right? So 
how someone sleeps if someone gets into a car accident or at least a fit of road rage when they come over like we know that you're going to have a more sensitive um nervous system or have a more sensitive um um like threshold we'll have like a lower threshold to the same stimulus that previously didn't cause any low back trouble right so it is really important to just keep in mind some of these other factors involved like your previous activity as i mentioned sleep and even the ability to relax so yeah it's important to keep an open mindset on that moving on number four on the don'ts category don't believe everything you hear or read i think that goes without saying that you know not everything you read or see on the internet is true and um, could be you know categorized as misinformation and i think it's really important that when people are in pain it's very understandable that they will try anything. And oftentimes you, you've heard this a bunch uh, with patients, Ryan, that they've tried everything. Mm-hmm. And I always want to think, really, really? What, what, what's everything? What is everything? You know, and it ultimately comes down to maybe three to five things that they've tried, not everything, but um, it's, it is important to know that there's a lot of nonsense out there in the world. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of correlated things that are online. And, um, you know, like, for example, soft tissue, there's like a bunch of nonsense online about soft tissue and we teach soft tissue, you know, so it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's tough to listen to people just roll out with a little cross ball and think all the pain in their foot's going to go away. Or, uh, you know what I mean? Just get a massage and this low back trouble is going to be fixed. It's like, well, it's slightly more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. There's these myths that are just perpetuated. Um, even by professionals and even reading like, you know, about big sports injuries that happen. Um, I remember one of the most frustrating ones was, uh, it was a baseball player who like re-aggravated ankle injury and they made it sound like he said something about how the scar tissue almost had a mind of its own. He was like, oh, the the trainer said the scar tissue just jumped out of my ankle and we got to like give it time to sort of calm down. Um, And this was published like everywhere well yeah because people people are either trying to make a name for themselves i can't i can't speak for for their intentions for putting stuff online i mean people make up anatomical uh things all the time they make up biomechanical things that aren't in biomechanical textbooks or or by or any anatomy and physiology or biomechanics textbooks they just made it up and Mm -hmm. and so it's really important to sift through um the nonsense but if you're if you're a patient you don't know you're like you don't know any Right. So it's, it's really important for us as professionals to understand where our patients are coming from and then to like sift through that and then boil it down into, you know, bite-sized chunks. We are on to the fifth and final don't. So we, uh, we will uh, discuss here now the the don't rely on scans to tell the whole story. I mean, I already mentioned it a minute ago about my experience with an MRI. I was expecting it to be way worse than it was. Um, but it is really important that people often see um, changes to normal anatomy online and think that they are damaged. They think that they've, they've got these bone spurs, they've got these Schmoll's nodes in their spine, and they just immediately think less of not just themselves, but what their body is capable of. And as I mentioned earlier, we are a very default positive office. And... Um, and uh, just default positive people. And so it's really important that these images could do harm, right? If you, if you see, uh, uh, um, there's another study that was looking at 40 year old asymptomatic low backs and they all had changes in the spine, okay? If they don't have any pain, 
and we're looking and comparing the spine of asymptomatic people with symptomatic people, maybe there's not that big of a difference on what the scans look like. And that's the point here is that the scans don't tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. And we kind of had the opposite experience uh, with our personal imaging, uh, our personal images that we, we had done in the last few months. Um, whereas your pain was really bad and then your imaging came back and there wasn't a ton wrong. I had just kind of a nagging ankle issue that wouldn't go away and got an MRI done. And it, it I just remember reading it and being like, wow, if I was a patient, I would think like, I'm not going to be walking for much longer, yeah. you know? So it's also uh, important to not internalize the way that the report of the image is written, right? A radiologist, you know, writes what they see, but they have no, well, the good ones do, but, but most radiologists, they, they have no um, comprehension of the, like the weight of their words. Like they're just looking at the tissue through the lens of the, of the imaging um, device that, that is sent to them. Right. And so it is important to understand that someone could read that. And this did happen in our office here. Someone came in with low back pain. They brought in their MRI. That was a referral from their primary. The MRI report said that they had these Schmorl's notes. And this guy was distraught that his spine had these nodes. And you and I know that that's an anatomical variant, or it's just a process of, of dare I say it, aging. They just occur naturally as we age in the spine. And they're not really linked with any pain presentation that I've read in any of the literature. You can, you can, you know, update me if I'm wrong, but I, I viewed it as something completely normal. But like I said, this gentleman mid, mid, um, mid fifties was distraught that he had these Schmorl's nodes and, and it was written on the, the report. So therefore it, it was in his spine and he internalized it. And I could not convince him that it didn't mean anything. Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, those images are, they're written out for us to kind of go and look at and correlate with the history and exam and the, the presentation. Um, they can look a lot more uh, intimidating uh, to the average patient that just looks at it, right? They go and see a segment by segment, one, two, three, things going on through findings at each at each level in the spine or something like that um where we go and look at that and it's kind of like oh those are just some normal age-related changes that we would expect to see in somebody your age so and, and i get it from the practitioner standpoint if there's more changes on an x-ray you know that that's more that, that possibly could mean there's more treatment you know needed which means i'm needed more and so i mean i do understand it from a business perspective and also from a um, like a diagnostic perspective, like, like, please note that we are not advocating for the avoidance of imaging. There's absolutely treatment guidelines and, and diagnostic imaging guidelines that, that we adhere to um, uh, very rigorously. So we are not anti-imaging. We just don't want our patients to, under, uh, to leave after getting a, an image. I, we don't want them to think that that is the whole story, which is exactly what Bullet point number five is here uh, on the uh, the ten do's and don'ts. Well, I guess there's five do's and five don'ts on the ten uh, bits of information from again I mentioned Derek Griffin and Peter O'Sullivan. We will include this booklet or this uh, this downloadable PDF in the show notes. And again, we will see you on our next episode next week. Thanks, guys.